Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. Today, I'm going to begin a series on a very interesting and I think important topic in the church. And that is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And as soon as I say that, there's a lot of things I know that go on in the minds of people. And because the church truly is supposed to be the most exciting, encouraging, uplifting, healing place to attend. Because we have, when two or more are gathered, I think there's more than two here, it says two or more are gathered that he is in our midst. So the good news right now is that he's here with us. And having him here makes it not just a natural gathering of people, but it's a supernatural gathering because Jesus is in our midst. And in that, with the presence of the Lord here, he is the one that's orchestrating things and and doing things to minister to our hearts. So we don't just have a normal gathering when we come together week to week. This isn't to be a rote event. Oh, I got to go to church today. Oh my gosh. I hope it's good. This is to be a supernatural gathering where we encounter God. And in that, when the scripture says that when he ascended on high, after his death, burial, and resurrection, he ascended on high, and in the scripture says that he gave gifts unto men. But in giving gifts unto men, he wasn't selective. He wasn't like, well, you deserve a gift. I give you one. You deserve a gift, but you back there, no, you don't deserve one. He was not discriminative. The gifts were given unto all men, everyone. So in that, the, the, I think what happens, though, is that as believers, we don't recognize or maybe we don't understand the gifts Or maybe we've seen gifts used in the church and they've been misused or abused. Or, oh, that's just for the Pentecostals. You know, the church is to be for the body of Christ. It's not to be for a select few. It's not to be for the elite, the ones that are really spiritual. It is to be for everyone for the common good. Of everyone. And why? It's because we are to be built up and encouraged and loved and be brought into maturity and into the fullness of Christ. And when the gifts that are given to people are in operation, Jesus is glorified. And the church comes together in unity. But I think the enemy has really thrown a wrench in there thinking that, well, the gifts are just, you know, they're extreme. You know, just be proper and be quiet. The reality is, is that the gifts are treasures. And, 
And I, I, I want us to, as the scripture says, it says in Corinthians, to pursue love, earnestly seek after the gifts. Earnestly. Are you earnestly seeking after the gifts of the Holy Spirit? And then it says, and that you might even prophesy, all the more prophesy. But are you earnestly desiring the gifts? And I want you to know that when, when the gifts are used, they're used to bring such encouragement, direction, edification, that it's to be a wonderful experience. And you know, you know, when you first get a gift, sometimes you just don't know how to use it. You know, you just don't know how to, I, I've gotten gifts before. I figured, how in the world am I going to fix, how am I going to use it? When I got a Traeger grill, I mean, it was like the Starship Enterprise. I looked at that thing and I'm like, how am I going to put this thing together and use it? You know, I'm used to the old common grill. You know, you put your charcoal in and you light it and you make a burger if you've never had a Traeger grill, it is an experience. I mean, you, you set the gauge and you, you adjust the temperature on your phone. And you sit there and, okay, I want this thing to be 425 degrees. Poof, it just lights up. And then heats up to 425. And then you put the meat in there. And you stick a little thermometer in there. And you say, I want it to cook to 165 degrees on the nose. The thing will tell you. Your dinner is ready. And it's like, man. Well, at first, I didn't know how to use it. I mean, this was a wonderful gift. I couldn't afford it, but it was given to me. And I'm like, thank you, God. So, but sometimes our gifts are given to us, and we need to step out and, and, and try them, use them. And it's not so that you have this new shiny new toy. It's so that your gift can be used to bring edification and encouragement and direction and love to another person. Sometimes we need to know we're on the right track. Has, has anyone ever felt like, Jesus, do you remember my name? Do, do you know my address? Do you know who I am? You know, one time... Eliza went to this meeting. It was called Women's Aglow. Anybody heard of Women's Aglow? <laughs> Women's Aglow. Well, and it, it would, she was supposed to have this, this, the speaker was going to be there. And I heard that she was an incredibly anointed and gifted woman. And I wanted to go. I, I really did. I thought, is there any way? I even spoke to the president, the director. And I said, is there any way I can show up? Can I sit in the back? Because I just wanted to hear. And... And, you know, I was, I was really desiring to hear from the Lord. For me, I, I was needing some encouragement. And I, I wanted to go, but it was for women. So, so, um, so Liza goes, and then she comes back. She says, you're not going to believe it. But this woman, she got up, and she got ready to speak. And then all of a sudden, she said, who here has a husband by the name of Sam? <laughs> yes way. 
And she said, she said, something to the effect, he really wanted to be here, but he couldn't. But the Lord has a word of encouragement for him. And she gave me a word. I didn't even know the woman. And God heard the cry of my heart. And she encouraged me. And I'm like, God just, it's like, he just read my mail in front of everybody. I'm like, this was so amazing to be thought of. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. You were thinking of me. All these hundreds of women, and you thought about me. So, it's to encourage and build up the church. And I hope that as we go through this short little series, that, um, that some, of the, some of the things that we have in our mind can be removed so we can see that actually maybe it's to be a beautiful thing and not something that we're to run from. Or to think, you know, I don't understand it, so I'm not even going to use it or talk about it. He says, earnestly seek after the gifts. Earnestly. Are you earnestly seeking after the gifts? So I want us to turn to 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. And Paul, um, he lists these gifts. And there are nine specific gifts of the Spirit beginning at verse 7. Let's start there. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. I kind of put in quotes there, so that we can help each other. The common good is that we can help each other. The gifts are there so we can support each other. The gifts are there because if, if your heart is heavy-hearted and you've come in here today, there's one person here that might have a gift or a word of knowledge or a word of encouragement to you that might lift the heaviness off of your heart. So the way you came today is not going to be the way that you leave today. Our hearts have got to be encouraged and edified so we can support one another. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, and to another the effects, the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues." But one and the same Spirit works all things, distributing to each one. Say that, each one. Individually, just as He wills. Each one. He's not being selective. He's saying each one. So I want to go back over this list. I want to read the first one. The first one's the word of wisdom. Second, word of knowledge. Third, faith. Fourth is gifts of healing. Fifth, the effects of miracles, six, prophecy, seventh, distinguishing of spirits, eight, various kinds of tongues, and ninth, the interpretation of tongues. And now I want to point out four important facts concerning these gifts. And the first fact is that they're gifts. 
You cannot earn or work for a gift. It's given to you. So you don't, on your good behavior, all of a sudden he says, I'm giving this to you. Way to go, boy. You worked hard. They're not earned. They're not in any way uh, on good merit. It's not a badge. You get, hey, look at my gift. He gives them unto men as he chooses. So first, they're gifts. And, and our simple response is, is to receive these gifts by faith. You receive them by faith. Everything we do is by faith. So it doesn't take any time to acquire spiritual gifts. You don't have to get a spiritual muscle to all of a sudden walk in a gift. You receive it by faith. Secondly, both at the beginning and the end of this list of gifts, Paul uses the phrase to each one. At the beginning, he says to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. And then at the end, he says, but one and the same spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually, just as he wills each one. There's no one here that is excluded from the gifts. And if you have received the Holy Spirit into your life, I got good news for you. You have a gift. You have a gift. It's resident within you. It might be that you need to discover it, have the Lord reveal it to you, teach you about it, begin to step out in faith with it, but realize that, you know, no one's going to be perfect when you first use a gift. You've got to practice. And, and you're not going to mess up. And it's like we've got to understand that if you mess up, it's not like he's a, you know, going to just take the gift away from you. Well, you didn't use that good. Here, let me have it back. Woo, that messed you up, didn't it? You know, he's, he's basically, he says, the gifts and callings of God are what? Irrevocable. He doesn't like... Take the gift away, say, oh, you just misused that. You didn't represent me well, did you? <laughs> so they're irrevocable. So we got to just take a deep breath and realize it's okay to step out and try and maybe didn't hit the mark the first time. It's okay. We need to have an environment where everyone, everyone can feel the freedom to step out in a gift God is giving them and not feel like they're going to be cut down or, well, you didn't, that wasn't right. We've got to feel with the freedom here where we can love one another. You know, we are to speak the truth in love when we step out in gifts. So both at the beginning and the end of the list, he emphasizes it's for each one. And they are available for all believers. And my personal conviction is that God wants all believers to participate in the exercise of the gifts of the Spirit. So they're not reserved for a certain denomination or the spiritual elite. They're for each and every one. And the, first, the third fact is that the gifts use the key word manifestation. And this is what distinguishes this particular way that the Spirit moves in our lives from many other ways that He moves. The word manifestation indicates that it is perceptible 
by human senses. That means, because the Holy Spirit is invisible, and he's a person that dwells within us. He's invisible, but he becomes perceivable through our senses as the gifts are in operation. They manifest, and they, they're not, I'm not talking about weird manifestations. I'm talking about the gift just makes room for itself, and there's the manifestation of that gift. What it does is that it reveals that the Holy Spirit is at work right now in your life. So, so there's the manifestation in real time. Real time. We understand it. The fourth fact is that the gifts are supernatural. They are manifestations of God himself in the person of the Holy Spirit so they're always on a higher plane. It's not, it's not your human ability. You didn't get the gifts just because you went to college for 10 years and you got a bachelor's, a master's, and a PhD. They're not natural giftings. They're supernatural. And in that, they're able to be used for the body of Christ. So... These are all available to us. So for simplistic purposes, and and teachers and scholars have done this over the years, they divide all these nine gifts up into three groups, which each group containing three gifts. So three groups, three gifts. The first group of the gifts, which we're going to talk about today, is the gifts of revelation. Under the heading... Where we have the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the distinguishing or the discerning of spirits. Okay? So this is going to be what we're going to talk about today, which is the gifts of revelation. Next time we get together, not next week because we have Thanksgiving service, but the next time we get together. The second group I'll call the gifts of power. And under this heading, we have faith, miracles, and healings. The third group are the vocal gifts. And these gifts are necessarily operate through the vocal organs. Under this heading, we have tongues, the interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. So we're going to break down these three categories over the next several weeks, and we'll be able to unpack them. And I believe that the ultimate purpose of the gifts is this is that they confirm our testimony of Jesus Christ. They are to confirm the testimony of Jesus in our lives. 1 Corinthians 1, 4 through 8 says this. Paul says to the Corinthians, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you in Christ Jesus. That in everything you were enriched in Him, in all speech... And all knowledge, right there you see the gifts in all operation. The vocal gifts and the knowledge gifts. Even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you, so that you are not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So Paul's giving thanks on behalf of the Corinthian Christians in this testimony. And he was confirmed, Christ was confirmed through the church because they were being strengthened and established. And they weren't lacking in any gifts. They were all in operation. Particularly, as I mentioned, the gifts of speech and the gift of knowledge, the revelation. So we see that the main purpose of these gifts was to confirm and to strengthen the church in Corinth. But it was for the purpose that the testimony of Jesus be glorified amongst the people. Jesus is being glorified. This isn't about man being noticed or that I'm special or I have all these gifts. It's for the glorification, the edification of Jesus, that he be glorified and honored in the church. And he, he said that also, and then he says, and this God shall confirm you unto the end. In other words, he says this, that these operation of these spiritual gifts will continue in the church until the end of the age. Some people believe that the gifts have stopped at the apostolic age. The gifts are no longer in operation. This word just says that the gifts are going to be used until the end of the age. Until the end. So that means that the gifts are really still here and for now. They didn't stop with the apostles. We just read Paul saying this gift that was given to the church is going to be used until we see Jesus split the sky and come on home. And another reason for these gifts is that it enables uh, for all of us to operate in them for the common good. It is for your good, your good, and your good. Your good, your good, and your good. The common good. It is to help one another, not to hurt one another. And so in that, these gifts are listed. And so then um, what we need to understand is that with gifts that are given, there is to be a contribution on our part with the gifts. You know, we can't take our gift and just hide it under a bushel. We can't just take our gift and think, well, that's just really for me, not for you, for me. It is to be used for everybody. And see, this is really, you've you got to understand something. A, a lot that happens in the church is that when we come together on Sunday morning, we receive, we take, and we go home. And the Lord wants to raise up this church to be one that gives and blesses and reaches out with the gifts he's given us. Because you know what? At the end of the day, we'll, we will be held, each of you will be held accountable for how you used your gifts. Did you use your gifts in honor of the Lord that he be glorified and that the church be edified? Or did you take your gift and put it under a bushel and decide, I'm not going to step out and use my gift. We all will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, have to give an account for how we use the gifts that he gave us. You know, Miles Monroe says, you know, the, the, the richest place in all the world is not the diamond fields in Africa 
And it's not all the oil fields out in the Middle East. He said the richest place in, in the world is the graveyard. Because it's all the gifts that were in people's lives that were never used. So we need to see that the gifts are here for us as a church and deposited in us so that we might see the church built up. So I want to look at this first one, the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. The first two gifts of the first category. Ecclesiastes 10.10 says this. It's, it's, a, it's a verse that relates to the nature of wisdom. Verse 10 of Ecclesiastes 10. If the axe is dull and he does not sharpen its edge, then he must exert more strength. Wisdom has the advantage of giving success. The King James Version says, profitable to direct. This really sums up the very nature of wisdom. It's profitable for us in the use of of the gift of the word of wisdom to direct, to give direction. So wisdom, I want you to mark this down, is directive where knowledge is informative. Knowledge conveys facts. Wisdom reveals us or tells us what to do with the facts. Okay? That's the difference between the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. Wisdom is directive. Knowledge is informative. In each of these cases, a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge is given. So when you're in a situation when we need to know something or we need direction, has anybody been in the car with your wife and your wife says, honey, do you really know where you're going? <laughs> yeah, I know where I'm going. Yeah, I, 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 I know where I am. And then inside you're saying, oh, God, please help me. Give me some direction. <laughs> you know, help me. But the reality is, is that direction is given to us in a spiritual dynamic that's not found in the natural realm. It's not something that you just figure out naturally. It's a, 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 a word of wisdom that is sovereignly given by God that is revealing to us the way in which we should go. So I want to show you how a, a, a word of wisdom is in operation in the, war, in the Word of God. So let's look at John 21, verses 4 through 6. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach. Now this is after his death burial, and, and he is resurrected, and he basically, he goes to Galilee, and he tells the people, tell my disciples to meet me in Galilee. So now there's this reunion in Galilee. Jesus was on the shore, on the beach. He cooked a nice breakfast, biscuits and gravy. I mean, it was wonderful. And so the breakfast was there on the shore. And all of a sudden, he sees his boys out in the boat. Hey! Throw the net on the right side of the boat. And you'll catch some fish. So let's read. So when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, children, do you not have any fish, do you? 
They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find a catch. So they cast. And then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Now, this is obviously a supernatural moment. Here we have a carpenter telling a fisherman where to fish. I mean, come on. I, this is a, Peter, Peter's like, you know, I've done this all my life. I mean, Peter, if he's doing it, if he was a fisherman by trade, he had to have been pretty good because he made a living. All right? So he knew what he was doing. To have somebody on the beach yell at you and say, hey, you're not using that, rod, that fishing lure right. You need to reel it a little bit slower and you'll catch some fish. I'm like, yeah, come on. This guy, whose name is Jesus, says, hey, cast the net on the right side. You know, it probably, they probably have been fishing on the right side for a long time and hadn't caught anything, so they went to the left side. And now Jesus is saying, go back to the right side. So they did it. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, you're, and you're going to catch some fish. And by golly, they did. And they brought in so many fish they couldn't even bring it in. So in that, he uses, see what Jesus uses at that moment is what is called a word of wisdom. He gives them attention. He says, throw the net on the right side. That's a directive. That's a directive. Throw it over there. And then you're going to catch a bunch of fish. And in that, God used that gift operating through Jesus to unlock a series of doors for Peter. That gift, the word of wisdom, what it did was all of a sudden Jesus, he, Peter recognized Jesus. He stripped his clothes off. He jumped in the water. He swam up to him. And when he gets there, Jesus, out of the gift of wisdom, he not only restored Peter, on the shore because see Peter had denied him so he's all of a sudden through this event he's restoring his heart and he's loving him and he's caring for him and not only is he restoring him because he denied him he's also going to give him purpose and in that moment he looks at Peter and he says Peter do you really love me he says Lord you know I love you he said, then love my sheep. And you know the series and the progression of Jesus keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper into the heart of Peter to reveal what was in him, but also to speak to him about who he was going to be called to. And that was of the household of Israel. He was going to be called to Israel to shepherd the sheep of God. So, I want to give you a little personal example of my own, a word of wisdom. My father, who you guys know, um, a year and a half ago, two years ago, passed away. And, um, but before my father passed away, it was heavy on my heart that I, that I, I when did my father saved? My father was not saved. And, and the thought of him being in eternity forever without Jesus broke my heart. 
And so I was praying with somebody, and the person said to me this, I feel like the Lord is saying that you're to go down there, he was in Florida, and you're to break bread with your father, and when you break bread with your father, you're going to be able to share salvation with him, and his eyes are going to be open to receive Jesus. So I went to Florida with the bread. I did forget the juice, but God provided the juice in, in my dad's um, hospital room. But in that, as I broke bread with my dad, his eyes were open and he received Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And that was the last moment I ever saw him. And he went home to be with the Lord. The word of wisdom was given to me as I was praying with this person. It was a directive. Go and break bread with your father. So now I want to look at a gift of knowledge. So let's look at John chapter 4, verses 13 through 18 and 29 through 30. So John 4, Jesus answered and said to her, who is this person? Uh, this is a very unique individual. And this individual uh, had a pretty wild life and, and was very alone and was coming out of Samaria and she was going to Jacob's well to get water and to draw water. And so as she is coming to the well to draw water, Jesus talks to her. Now, Jews normally never spoke to Samaritans. And so this was not custom. And she basically said, you know, this isn't really supposed to happen. You're not supposed to talk to me. But Jesus, out of love for her, being that she was a Gentile, he, Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again, talking about the water in the well of Jacob. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. And the woman said, said to him, sir, give me this water. So I will never be thirsty, nor come all this way here to draw. And he said to her, go, call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you are now with is not your husband. This you said is true. And then verse 29. Come and see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? And they went out of the city and were coming to him. And then later on, it says that the whole city all believed in him. So I want to unpack this. A word of knowledge operating through Jesus reveals to this woman. See, he basically read her mail. He read her mail, and she was just like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I had five, and 
yeah, the one I'm with, he's not my husband. He got her attention, didn't he? A word of knowledge is operating. Facts and understandings of things that in the natural he would not normally know. And by this gift, her heart believed in him as the Messiah. And she was used as one of the first great evangelists that we'll ever see in Scripture who went back to the city and said, you must come. I've met the Messiah. And all of the city came. And through the gift, it unlocked her heart, which unlocked the hearts of everyone in the city. And the city was saved. Samaritans were saved. We're evangel- now, that is an evangelism explosion if I've never seen one. But not only are the gifts to be used for the body, for us to be edified, they're also to be used for the lost. They're also to be used when we go on the streets and the Lord gives us a word of knowledge about somebody. And all of a sudden we say it and they say, how did you know that? And in that, it unlocks their heart. Wow. God sees me and knows me, understands me. And through that, salvation comes to people through the gifts. So the gifts just aren't for the church. The gifts are also for the lost in Asheville. And they need some gifts. And so the last of the revelation gifts is the discerning of spirits. And let me first try to define what is meant by to discern or understand. What it means is the ability to recognize, identify, and distinguish various kinds of spirits that confront us. Okay? Now, this is a unique gift. This gift can see good and evil. This gift can actually see good spirits and bad spirits. This gift is a very unique gift. And I I have people that I know that are gifted with this. And um, sometimes I'll say, do you see anything? And they're like, "Mm mm-hmm. We have some company today. And, And what I love about this gift, this is kind of like one of the policing gifts. It, it, it discerns if the enemy is in the camp. It discerns if there's something going on that's really wonky in our midst. And what it does is it protects the body. It watches over the body. But not only do we recognize the bad guy, we can see the good guy. We can see angels. Because what we got to understand is that there are angelic spirits that are given to assist us. And, and these angels are given to assist us. And sometimes people have this gift that unlocks your eyes and you're like, whoa, you're a big one, aren't you? I don't see. I, I, I'm not operating. Maybe one day the Lord will unpack this gift for me. And I, I don't mind it. I'll earnestly seek after it. But see, Paul, in Acts 27, verse 23, Paul is about, he's going through a terrible storm. And the, and the boat is getting ready to be capsized and dashed upon the rocks. They hadn't seen the sun for many days. And their hope of survival was pretty nil. They didn't know if they were going to make it. And, but an angel of God came to Paul on the ship. 
and stood beside him and spoke to him about what was to come. Okay? So, verse 23. For this very night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me, an angel, saying, do not be afraid. Paul, you must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, keep up your courage, men, for I believe God will not, will not allow this to turn exactly uh, as I've been told, but we must run aground on a certain island. Isaiah beheld the Lord sitting upon the throne. Isaiah saw in the Spirit the Lord. How would you like to see that? That would be a, a humdinger. See the Lord sitting on the throne. John beheld the seven spirits of God on Patmos. He saw the spirits, the spirit of the, of, for each of the churches. So in that, there's a discerning in the spirit of what's, what's going on and what am I seeing. So in some ways, this in the church, this is kind of a police gift that keeps the enemy's influence from causing serious problems within the church. Okay? It's just a wonderful thing that God gives as a gift for our good to protect us. So I want to look at um, Acts 16, Acts 13, verses 16 through 12. This is also when we're able to discern also a bad spirit in somebody. Okay? So let's look at this. Acts 13, 6 through 12. When Paul, when they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they found a magician, a Jewish false prophet whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Pallas, a man of intelligence, this man summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elmas, the magician, for his name is translated, was opposing them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze on him and said, You who are full of of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of righteousness, will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? Now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and not see the sun for a time. And immediately a mist and a darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking those who were led and led him by the hand. And then the proconsul, then the proconsul, get what happens believed when he saw what had happened, being amazed at the teaching of the Lord. This spirit operating through Bar-Jesus was blocking the effects of the good news of the gospel to go into the hearts of men. And therefore, it was in opposition. It was standing against the power of the gospel, which is salvation unto man. But when Paul dealt with this spirit, and this, and, and this mist comes upon him. All of a sudden, 
what happens is that he's shut down. The game is over with. The enemy's hand was overplayed. And the Spirit of the Lord operating through him discerned through Paul something wasn't right in this man. And in that, it was revealed, shut down, and all of a sudden, the, all of the proconsul came to the Lord. So these three revelation gifts that I just talked about are to be used for the common good of the church. Each time we gather together or we go out in the streets. And they're to encourage, edify, direct, reveal, produce results, conviction, bring progress, stop the enemy's plans, open hearts, shut doors for the purposes of God's kingdom to be advanced here on this earth. I mean, guys, and you thought you were just coming to church. Well, I want you to hear some good news. Some of you have gifts that are resident within you that's going to be a glorious discovery. And you're going to have the opportunity as we are a body. You know, everyone's gift does not have to parade up here to this podium. All right? The gift can be used when somebody walks through the door or you just casually meet somebody, or you go to lunch with somebody. The gifts are not always a gift up front. They're a gift for the body. And we're to step out and to use them in a way that brings glory and testimony of our Savior, Jesus. I'm excited about this, church, because I believe the Holy Spirit is going to begin to encourage you to earnestly desire and go after the gifts that have been deposited within you. It's going to be a wonderful discovery of what the Holy Spirit has put within you for each other, for the common good. Amen? Amen. All right, let's stand. Lord, I just thank you for the Holy Spirit. Who is wonderful, altogether beautiful, and who's here in our midst. And Holy Spirit, you're a person. You're not an it. You're a person. And we honor you here today. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would so anoint this house and fill us up with an understanding and a knowing of the gifts you've given to each of us. Lord, I thank you that there's treasures in this house. And I ask, Lord Jesus, that these treasures be unlocked and that they would be used for your glory. And Lord, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that your heart's desire is that that there be a common good for all of us here. That the gifts be in operation to help one another. 
And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would begin to take us on a journey of revelation, of understanding and knowing the gifts that you've given us. And Lord, I thank you and praise you that the gifts that you give us are irrevocable. You're not going to take them away. They're ours. And we thank you and praise you that they're truly supernatural. And I pray, Lord, that your anointing will come upon each and every one and that you would encourage everyone here today. That, Lord, if one needs encouragement, edification, their heart needs to be healed. They've been hurt or discouraged. You've been downtrodden, heavy-hearted. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would encourage each one here as only you can. So we just give you permission to have your way in our midst. And we honor you and thank you that this is an exciting time to be within the church. This is an incredible time to experience you with each other as a family. And I thank you, Lord, that you're going to take us on a journey of discovery, of discovering the glorious gifts that you've given to your church. And we thank you and we praise you for that. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you need some prayer, if you need some encouragement, if you want to begin to even ask the Lord, Lord, what what gift have you given me? I didn't think I had anything. If you need some, um, your heart just needs, I, I feel like there's some here that have been real downtrodden. You've just been really discouraged. And, you know, Scripture says we're to encourage one another while it's still called today. So if you need some encouragement, this is the place to be. So I want you to come and and get some encouragement. But if not, if you want some prayer, come up. If you don't need any prayer, just, just look at the person beside you and say, you know what? You're wonderful. You're a gift. So, Lord, I pray you'd bless and keep each and every one in this church. Lord, I ask that you would make your face shine upon everyone and be gracious to them and lift up your countenance and give them your shalom peace. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.